Hi guys, welcome to the Revenue Accelerator. Don't talk while I'm doing my intro. <laughs> it's just because you took a breath and I might as well take advantage of that for a humorous moment. Um, I have our guest today, Elizabeth Power, who actually lives up to her name. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself and then we're going to go right into it. And here's a little sneak preview. We're going to talk about change in a world that is currently undergoing a shit ton of change. Uh, yeah, that is exactly right, sister. I'm so glad to be here, Kat. Thank you so much for the opportunity. My mother used to say that I'd been through more change than a chameleon crawling through a costume ball, and she's about right. It positions me perfectly to be the person you want to talk to mm. when you're going through change or trying to make and manage change, both at the personal and the professional level. Mm. Um, that includes the work we do in trauma-informed care, which led to helping Japan create a national model based on our work. Wow. I mean, not too shabby for credibility right there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, might as well just get it out of the way. Uh, I mean, oops, forget name dropping people. Let's name drop a country. <laughs> yeah. Well, up there with the mic. Mic drop. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so change, right? So it, what is it? Death, taxes, and change. Those are the things that you can definitely bank on in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the size of it. Yeah. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of people having to actively manage change right now, whether or not they wanted it. What are you seeing people doing like wrong when it comes to managing change? Ooh. Well, first of all, forgetting that it is like death and taxes, it's always <laughs> going to be here. Second of all, I see a lot of folks who just don't get it that the difference between the facts and what they feel can be huge. Mm. I may feel wretched. I can still function. Mm. That's I may factually find some of the things I'm being asked to do uh, distasteful because I feel so strongly about them rather than because they're the wrong things to do. Mm. And so if we don't have some of those basic undergirdings about what change is like and what it does to us, it's easy to fall back in the trap of the pity and the sympathy and the comfort and the attention that we get out of failure mm. and staying stuck there. And if you're trying to level up your business and jack yourself up a notch or two, the best thing you can do is have a really good understanding of how change works, where you may be seeing it in your life and what you can do differently to master it. Mm. I don't care what your business has gone through. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's a little bit like overwhelm, right? So I, I talk about how when you're overwhelmed, it's because there's a lack of control, right? You're right. not feeling right. in control of your life. So that's really like change. Like I hadn't thought about it that way yeah. of like yeah, yeah, yeah. change is happening and you're just like, oh my God, I can't handle it. It's because you're having an adverse reaction to the change versus working with it. Right. And most of us don't work with the change unless mm -hmm. we choose to change. We plan the change and it goes exactly like we want it to. Most of us are just plain flummoxed. Isn't that a good word? It's By a change. Word. It needs to make a comeback. Flummoxed. Um, because of the way it makes us feel. You know, I mean, I have to tell you that when on March the 11th, I had, I had my entire business year booked with 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 a major contract and it was really cool. And on March the, March the next day, the March the twelfth, there was nothing. It was zero. Mm. It went to ground. And I'm not the only one. I'm only one of many people who's gone through that. Yeah. Plus, being home, I haven't been home this much <laughs> since 1990. Because so any humans or pets that are around you right now? Uh, I have a cat. She's put up with me pretty well. <laughs> And I, I wave at my neighbor, hey, how are you over there across the yard? <laughs> but those, um, that's big. And I'm, and th those are just minor things that right. I'm doing compared to many people. Yeah. 
Right. Well, I mean, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is things have had to change. People's businesses have to change their business model. You actually went through a big change because so there's something that I love the saying, which is just because the tides out doesn't mean that there's less water in the ocean. Oh, that's exactly right. And honey, I can run on that, on that wet sand the whole way. Peace out. Catch the water. Don't, don't let, don't wait on me. I'll be going out there where the tide lift. But, and that's what you did though. When March happened on March 11th, when you're like, everything's cool. The tide is in. I don't have to march far on March 12th. You saw the tide going out and you just ran with it. Whereas oh, most yeah. people are standing there, you know, mouth open, mouth gaped. There's another one. <laughs> Thank you. SAT studying. Um, you know, uh, looking at it and being like, I don't know what's going on. You have an innate ability to quickly adapt and move with change versus being a victim of change it's not innate i had to work on this i first came up with the model that i still teach in 1982 after i had after i had been written up for being overproductive in the welfare department Mm, shame on you how could i possibly do that much work but i figured if you you be a job you know how much time it takes and i should be able to do it and when I realized that I was in trouble for, for, you know, I was accidentally throwing my colleagues under the bus because I could get my work done, I thought there must be something terribly wrong with me that I can't master this job, which back then was considered a very low-level, mm. uh, do-nothing, no-nothing kind of job, even though it's one of the most critical ones in the world. Absolutely. And this model not only helped me save my own keisters back then, it became a model that I could go back to over and over and over again so that even when diagnosed with life-changing things, the first thing that pops up in my head is I'm pickled in my own work. I may not be able to choose the changes I face. Mm. I can choose how I handle them. Mm. Now talk about empowerment. But if I look at it as an opportunity, something that I can respond to versus a problem, something I'm going to run from, you know, scream no and go into fight or flight or whatever I happen to use to keep myself from feeling or, you know, pick one. But depending on how I position it, it will feel the same way, but my outcome will be dramatically different. Yes. And that right there is the direct tie to the bottom line, right? Which is how quickly you're able to you know, be a chameleon, like you said, and be nimble and adjust with what's going on because then you can reflect the environment and, and modify the message, not what you do, but the outward appearance of things so that you can still deliver and get clients. And that, I mean, you've had those morphoses, morphosi, I always make up words, um, those metamorphoses that (laughs) have enabled you to withstand through time because, it doesn't matter. You've seen a lot of different things happen and it's every couple of years, there is some kind of crisis at least that happens, if not sooner than that. So what's your recommendation with people who've seen, you know, and you've, you've done this evolutionary thing of not being adept at change and getting adept. Like what is that, what does that process look like of getting into that place where you become more nimble? And, and now I've got all these gymnast metaphors flying in my hair. How do you do the splits? Uh, very carefully, uh, very carefully. I, th- I think the first thing is just by recognizing. Look, they're, they're feel. I mean, the feelings are the things that get us. In fact, it's the fact that we may not recognize the feelings that we have as related to change, and may say it's about something else. And second of all, it's not having a very big emotional vocabulary. If your if your audience really wants a trip. Go out and search for the phrase, where do people feel feelings in their body? 
Yeah. And look for the image because that the images that are being developed by folks who are actually looking at this look like thermographic maps of where we feel different feelings. Mm. And until you know that you're actually having a feeling and its name and say, oh, look at it as a cue, what is the change that just happened? How can I deal with this? I was I was doing a webinar yesterday for an age education AIDS education technical center. And instead of having everybody on their own computer in Zoom, I entered the room to eight people at one table and five people in separate rooms in separate states at different locations. And I had planned to use breakout rooms. And if you can't, if people are all in the same room, a breakout room is ineffective. Mm. And I felt my heart skip a beat. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, now now what's my backup plan? Mm. Because I recognize that not as an I'm going to fail, I can't do this, but oh, that's just a change and was able to process that emotion more quickly. Mm. I was able to have my backup plan in place so that the the, the, the organizers had no idea yeah. that I was actually having to punt. So it's first of all, recognize that those feelings that you feel that tell you that a change is occurring are only flags. You don't have to do anything about them except recognize their flags. And then when you get to the point of, okay, now what am I going to do? Recognize that we... We learn through either a process that is inherently somewhat self-abusive or that can be self-nurturing. Mm. More with you go when you go with self-nurturing, when you teach yourself through acceptance instead of judgment. Otherwise, if you teach yourself through harsh methods and through harsh self-talk, you're mm. assuming that you're not doing the best that you can. And I'm pretty sure that almost everybody I know does not wake in the morning deciding consciously to be a screw-up or a jerk. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, go think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But we're sure everybody else does. There's really a metaphysical component to this in terms of, you know, and it's just, there you go. She's going woo. Um, You know, looking at, because change, if you want, like, you know, can be like a mountain, right? Where we don't want things to change. So we, we have this visceral reaction in our bodies and we kind of brace for impact. And yeah. so we're anticipating and all this energy goes into not desiring the change to happen. And what, what happens? We end up calling more change into our life because what we focus on, we attract. Absolutely. And then we start looking at this, you know, I have a plan. So, you know, sorry, hubby, but my husband is very much this way of, I have a plan and if something deviates from the plan all hell's breaking loose. And, but the people who are able to do, you know, that, that nimble adaptability where they actually expect change to happen, something is going to go wrong. Hashtag Murphy's law. So I'm not going to worry about what's going to go wrong, but actually focus on my ability to course correct and, and adapt to change. I mean, it's a whole different perspective shift. It is. It really is. It's the perspective that says, the one thing that is constant in life is absolutely change. I know that's cliche and cloyed, but I promise you the beans that are heading from my office window have grown three inches today. That's a change. And we had rain, <laughs> and that's a change. And the cat just rolled over, and that's a change. I mean, change is the operative verb in life. And it's how you choose to look at it. And like you, you've mentioned, it's there's always an opportunity with change because there's, you know, so how do you, how did you get to a place where you were able to look at change as an opportunity versus something that was, you know, you were being done upon? Well, I think it was adding it to the perspective that it was always a problem. I was always certain mm. that change was a problem. Mm. I could bow up and look like an unhappy cat faster than you could say scat for a long time. <laughs> 
and to realize that that even the things that look dark and despairing and um, dismal and unfortunate, that good things will come from those, even though it may take a long time. It will be, it may well be very painful in the process. Mm. That does not mean that you have to give up, give in, fail, lie down, or or, or, or roll over in the bed with potato chips and, and chocolate candy all week long. You can do that, and oh, it might on. be helpful to you for a minute. <laughs> when you look at your long term, mm. how long do I? How long do I? I did this, this in March. I said, "How long do I need to feel like a failure?" Mm. Oh, I probably need to do that about fifteen, twenty minutes. And I'll be done. You know, pity okay, party for one. <laughs> and fourteen on my imaginary watch. Fourteen minutes, forty-five seconds. Oh man, I will be glad when this is over. And then it's like, now let me get to work. Let me get down to building the life I've been talking about building for years. Mm. You know, again, and, the opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had, I treat myself like a like a child in some ways. If I had a child that was having a hard time with a change, I, you know, if I were utterly, utterly embarrassed as a parent in a grocery store, I'd probably want them to to calm down and be quiet very quickly. Mm. But jerking a knot in them in public won't do it. Mm. Being tending to their need mm. in a way that helps them feel respected and visible and honored will. Why do I treat myself differently? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who can raise their hands and say, are you your biggest fan or are you be your biggest bully bully? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and we're, we're always both, you know, I just <laughs> this week that I was bullying myself about that goes back. Oh, 60 plus years. I'd be mm-hmm. glad to say. Mommy and daddy issues. We got them all. <laughs> So, you know, there's, we've talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the internal communication when it comes to change of what are you telling yourself, how you're reacting. So what's the role of external communication when it comes to, you know, managing change? Oh, it it, did. Well, I would, I was going to say it depends Mm. whether it's personal or organizational, right? The way that you communicate with your base. And that's not just the people that are in your audience, but also the people who support your business becomes really critical during times of change. What kind of language do you use? A good tool that I found is NLP. Mm. I'm, not, I'm getting better at it every day. But you notice I just corrected myself. I was going to say I'm not very good at it. Well, what I know is I'm getting better at it every day. And I know that the words of change, which are the words of better, ha- better or else, have to, should, must, mm. ought, Homework's a classic. Young lady, if you don't get your homework done, I'm going to wear you out. You have got to do your homework. Uh-uh. No, watch me. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So using the language of choice that allows people to feel that they have some control in their environment, would you, how would you feel about would you, will you, might, uh, can you, might you, options, possibility, words of possibility and option, mm. allow people to have a sense that they have some control in the process. Mm that they have a connection to an outcome that is desirable, um, that the inertia that they've lapsed into, I mean, Lord have mercy, I've dug a rut so deep, I've taken the recliner, the cooler, the TV, and the six-pack of Coca-Cola Zero down there. Right, right. And if I'm not careful, it's going to become not a rut, but a grave. And so helping people realize that this is a comfortable place, and I really respect that. Let's see if we can help you make an additional comfort comfortable place Mm. talking about through gain instead of loss Mm. talking about the stability instead of the upheaval acknowledge Mm. focus on the stability that's coming i know for example that the instability and upheaval that occurred in my business in march was a necessary disruption that leads to greater creativity and innovation 
who wouldn't buy that? Right. And to be able to say to folks, I know it's going to be uncomfortable for all of us, but I'd like to remind you that the discomfort that the caterpillar feels on the way to becoming a butterfly is worth the glorious outcome. You know, they did a study. I saw this the other day and I was writing this to a friend based off of, they, they took these butterfly cocoons and these, I forget what they're called, but, um, and they put a slit in some of them and not in others. And the butterflies that emerged from the ones that had been provided help actually were not able to fly properly. And that the actual process of the butterfly pushing and getting uncomfortable and getting out of the cocoon has a lot to do with its wing development and its ability to survive. And so looking at that final destination of saying, when I'm in the moment of change, this is serving me some way, somehow, I don't know how, but it's in service of me, either for me or for my clients that I'm going to be supporting. Um, and it's, it's really talking about looking at this from a place of, are you a victim or are you going to be a victor? Well, and I even go further than that. Are you going to be a victor, a victim, or a choice maker? Mm. Because there's this whole phenomenon. It's law of physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Honey, you can spend a lot of time swinging off the walls, going back and forth. <laughs> and you can't make any movement. But if you look at um, a little-known study told, called Taguchi's Loss Function, mm-hmm. about the bathtub curve, the wider you spread that bottom, and the more you hang out in the middle and just do a little bit of swinging, the more forward movement you can make. Mm. So that's why I'm always looking for the complement rather than the polarity. Love that. Yeah. That's why choice making is much more powerful than being a victim or than being a victor because a victor always has to have a victim. Mm. But a choice maker only has to have someone else making choices. And it's themselves. Yeah, exactly. So talk about empowerment. Yeah, baby. I love it. Stealing it. Okay, credit. <laughs> um, so if you had like one thing that you could, um, you know, share with someone right now who's struggling with change or who's, you know, going into it or feeling like it's not ending, what would be your advice to that person? Don't slit the cocoon. <laughs> No, yes and no. I mean, the people that I'm talking to, they're going through so much change. That they're just, they are, they are, they are just cattywampered in life all over the place because they, they're thrashing. I say, look, stop, slow down, get still. A still body, although it's an unusual feeling, gives you more room to figure out what is changing and what do I choose to do about that within the control that I have. And how will I manage my feelings in the process? Oh my God, that is just wisdom right there. So how can people, no, like seriously, like Siri, like get still, like as someone whose business name is Action Incubator, (laughs) whose job is to get people into action and, and, and making forward progress, the being still part is something that I can even admit isn't always a comfortable place right. um, to, to right. sit with because it feels the not enough trigger starts, you know, you know, the, the, you're being lazy triggers, right? Look, this is not a therapy session. Um, you know, it starts happening, but looking at being still as a place of empowerment to kind of gather your strengths to then explode. That's really. And, and, and there are two metaphors that people can use. If you've ever watched a cat, about to launch itself at a bird. Yeah, how they get <laughs> that, that high-end high wind-up thing going on. Love it. And the other is, again, back to the, chrysal- the cocoon and the chrysalis. 
I'm pretty sure that when the caterpillar starts spinning a cocoon, he or she or it has no idea what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's very still. It even turns to goo before it becomes a butterfly. And then it's through the strength of that struggle, which the butterfly may have. I mean, it depends on how much consciousness we wish to give butterflies. Mm-hmm. But it is that stillness that allows all of the stuff to drop away so that you can see the lake that you're walking on and in and all that's in it and all that's on it and what's on the yonder shore so that you can actually have a clearer way to plot your own process. Mm. A lot of what we talk about in the Transformational Change Group with Elizabeth Power on Facebook, and it's actually the focus of an event that we're doing, our virtual online change event that we've, bless that event's heart, it's been moved around a lot since since (laughs) we started. It's living up to its name. (laughs) But we're starting on Friday, September the 18th, and we're ending midday, Sunday, September the 20th. Mm. And this is going to be a really cool retreat online. I mean, it's everything I'm now doing, obviously, like most of us, is online. But mm. just looking at how can I take the experiential things that we do and transform them to online activities for the folks that we'd hoped would be with us here in Nashville, mm. in the labyrinth, doing the things that we know to do to help people excite themselves about picking the change that's most important for them to master. That's yeah, find me on Facebook. Trans- the Transformative Change Group with Elizabeth Power is our private group, which we'd be glad to have you join. There are just a couple of simple questions. And the ePower Change Institute is where you'll find me. Oh, fantastic. Um, and also on LinkedIn and Facebook, I know you're accepting friend requests. So uh, her bite is definitely not as harsh as her bark. <laughs> One last question, because you're amazing at metaphors and idioms. What is your favorite idiom? To this, and, and during this time, my favorite idiomatic phrase is I've sat with people who had loved ones die that they couldn't visit and all the other stuff, the social injustice, the unrest, working with my colleagues in Minneapolis has been that I have cried like a rat eating onions at least once a day this whole time. Wow. That's and, a that, and like a rat, crying like a rat eating onions is such an image. I mean, this is, this is a cultural thing for me. I come from Appalachia where we do. Yep. And, you know, that's, 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 that's an important one. But people can read those in my book, If Change is All There Is, Choice is All You've Got, which you can find on Amazon. Fantastic. Look at you, Master Marketer. All right, guys, check out those notes in the show notes. Um, definitely check out Elizabeth Powers. This woman is rocking full of uh, amazing insight and clarity as it comes to managing through change and coming out the other end with choice. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me and all of you out there. Take action. Go for it. See you later.